0: Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that was written in the
1: stars. <laughs> so <No>. cheesy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Today we have Zoe, Laura, and Hope. Today we're
0: doing our long-awaited episode about astrology. Um, we're going to get deeper into what that means, both on like a broader astrological standpoint and for us as socialist feminists. Um, we have a very cool astrologer and author joining us today, uh, Alice sparkly Cat.
2: Yay, thank you Hi. so much for joining us. Hi, um, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. Um, do you want to introduce yourself and ex- tell us how you got into astrology?
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm Alice. I do astrology, and that means I do, like, personal consultations for people. I do some, like, classes. I, um, I've written a book on astrology called Astrology and Storytelling, and I have some just, like, more information um, material on my website. And I've been doing astrology for about four years now, um, how I got into astrology, I feel like that's one of the more common questions I get, and really, it's a pretty, like, common story, I was going through a really bad breakup in, like, 2014, um, astrology helped me, and then I just started doing it for friends, and then, um, yeah, I decided that I wanted to make it, um, more of my life, hmm That
3: is really awesome, and I feel like, for me, I feel in some ways similar. Although I obviously haven't dove into it as much as you have, I think for me, um, I actually started looking to astrology when I couldn't afford a therapist, which is kind of like its own thing. Like, right? I I have a healthcare plan that has a really high deductible, and. I do have a therapist now and, like, have a job that I can pay a therapist. But for a while, I really um, was seeking some sort of, like, external voice that had any sort of input on what was going on in my life. And I actually found astrology to be super helpful during those times when I could, you know, think about these things that were written and try to really think about what was going on in my life and think about it reflectively in that way and i i do feel like that is for me what astrology does best is it really helps us be introspective and like intentional about what we have going on in our lives
2: yeah totally and i feel like you know totally for like same for me um I also feel like feel like it can be something that's good like you know even if you're going to therapy um Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's just like a really good tool for self-witnessing which you need in all situations but like especially if you're trying to heal from emotional or um mental trauma
3: absolutely Mm -hmm. um and so on that note (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we thought it could be fun to dive in by reading each other's charts, or at least our primary three signs, and, um, <laughs> when we were originally doing this, we are like, we'll just kind of do this separately, but, uh, I'm really excited to kind of have Alice be a part of this, uh, and interject when it, uh, makes sense, so, um, Just to give a shout-out to where we're getting this information, um, I pulled specifically from an app called CoStar. Um, CoStar is unfortunately only available through iPhones and Apple products as an app. Um, The reason why I thought it would be a fun uh, way for us to start looking at this is it's really – simple in a lot of ways but also uh they are kind of notoriously snarky (laughs) (laughs) um in a way that I think I think is is just fun for us um so if it's okay with you Zoe I would like to start with yours (laughs) yeah i was just gonna say a fun connection I actually had reached out to the
0: creator of CoStar who I was uh introduced to and she is the one that pointed me in Alice's direction for this episode so that's how
2: we got our guest Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did a little bit of
0: writing for them. Oh, nice. Um, I like. I had it. like a yeah. I had a mutual friend reach out to them, and then they sent us to you. Oh,
2: that's that's cool to know. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> very fun. Um. So uh, yeah. Our, so what we're gonna kind of talk about these three signs: um, the sun sign, uh, the moon sign, and the rising sign or ascendant. Um. And so as we kind of go through it, I will. <laughs> It feels silly for me to be the one that explains what these are (laughs) with our like actual astrologer on the call, but, uh, feel free to chime in, uh, and add to what I'm saying here. But so we'll start with Zoe's sun sign. The sun determines your ego, your identity or role in life. It's the core of who you are and it's, it's the sign you're likely to already know. So Zoe's sun sign is in Sagittarius, meaning she's fundamentally curious, restless and independent. She has strong thought through ideas um, about meaning and what's right or wrong, which I feel like this really shows up in if you ever follow Zoe on Twitter about her takes on men. Um, <laughs> Uh, She's interested in pushing the boundaries of the existent. Um, She loves to be free, to travel, and to learn.
0: Yeah. I'm, like, such a Sagittarius. I also have a lot of planets in Sagittarius, um, and I gravitate towards others, like, both in my friendships, and I'm actually right now dating another Sagittarius, which is kind of Kind of crazy, given that a lot of our um, attributes are like being uh, restless and commitment phobic and wanting to be in other places.
3: <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's working. So. Amazing. So and then we have the moon sign. So the moon rules your emotions, moods and feelings. This is the sign you might think of yourself as since it reflects your personality when you're deeply or when you're deeply comfortable or when you're alone. So Zoe's moon is in Libra, meaning that her emotional self is balanced, harmonious, sees both sides of every situation, indecisive, relationship-oriented, and desperate to please. She can be a little self-obsessed, but tend to hide her feelings and needs. (laughs) I think like this is also fun paired with a Sagittarius sun sign. Like I feel like... I do see <laughs> both of these things that, like, in a really, like, cool way where it's, like, there's this confidence and also this, like, I don't, it's not a need for external validation in any way, but, like, yes,
1: a. Is. <laughs> Actually, yes, it is. yeah. It is.
3: <laughs> Uh, yeah that that is maybe what it is yeah
0: (laughs) but um, but so Alice I've been following some of um what you've been writing you've been doing like the sun moon archetypes and I'm really waiting for the Sagittarius one to come out
2: (laughs) yeah I like like writing for Libra moon I feel like it's really interesting because Libra moon like I think of as a mirror. And I don't think Libra is like always wishy washy. Like I think Libra is socially motivated and has social values and wants to fight for those.
0: Mm, yeah.
2: And um yeah, and Libra just tends to reflect like what else is in the culture. And um yeah, that that's something that maybe like is a reason why um it's good to find an astrologer to talk about, and investigate like, Oh, here's my upbringing. Like here's my culture. And here's how I feel like I have to kind of fit in or play off these things. Mm. Yeah. That's really Definitely. cool. Um,
3: and so then the third sign uh, is the rising or ascendant. So uh, your rising or ascendant is the mask you present to people. It can be seen in your personal style and how you come across to people when you first meet, Um, And some say it becomes less relevant as you get older. And this sign changes every two hours. So if yours doesn't seem to make sense, text someone who would know what your actual birth time is. so Zoe's rising sign is in Taurus, meaning she comes across as highly attuned to practical and material matters, especially pleasure and hedonism. <laughs> but that same materiality gives people the impression that she is reliable, settled, sensible, and deliberate, though sometimes stubborn.
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly, the main thing I take away from my Taurus, my, my inner Taurus, is the stubbornness. <laughs>
3: I love
1: it. Oh, I love it. I feel like this um, speaks to that Instagram post you did about thrift store shopping. Like you're very oh, like um, that's tuned true. in to clothes and into clothes, but in a very practical way that does sort of give off that impression that you're kind of like settled and deliberate in things, even though you're doing it in your own way. But it's kind of like a creature comfort thing.
2: Yeah,
0: actually, my roommate who I'm now close with, but she was telling me that when we first met, she thought that I was... Like more wealthy than I am, just because I'm like very good at shopping, but it's all because I'm very good at like finding deals, which is (laughs) kind of my practical
2: materialism. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then you're rising, like like you're rising as the horizon, so it can also change, um, like if you move, Um, and then like with this, like your sun is in the eighth house, and then your moon is in the sixth house, so then. Um, what's interesting is like both your sun and moon are in conjunct to your rising sign. Mm. Yeah, and then that means like it, they can kind of come out when you're least expect uh, expecting it. Okay, Laura, time for your chart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll
0: start with her sun sign again. Laura's sun is in Aries, meaning she's fundamentally assertive and persistent and courageous. Uh, she's naturally competitive and fiercely independent. She pushes things forward with energy and enthusiasm um, and perseveres through anything. I would say Lara's energy and enthusiasm is very apparent in our podcasting uh, <laughs> sphere. Yes. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: that makes perfect sense to me. Um, and she needs to learn to understand others as complex wholes. Mm. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> And to be clear, that's holes with a W. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: <yes>.
1: Wow.
3: <laughs> People are often actually like surprised to hear that I'm an Aries. Um, but then I find like if I'm drinking or something, that it like comes out more.
2: <laughs> Your truth
0: merges.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I'm also an Aries. Like I feel like Aries has solidarity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
3: here I mean and it's funny I'll, like so many of my close friends are also Aries it's a, it's an interesting thing um but yeah we I think there's also like this stereotype of like world leader like everyone's always like oh Aries <laughs> like you are the like czar dominator of whatever and I'm like
0: uh. is that common
3: for signs to
0: gravitate towards the same sign because like I'm the same way with Sagittarius
2: Mm, not always like i always read it like, like certain signs. To Moon. Yeah. yeah so like mm. yeah like my yeah. Moon's in cancer i totally love water signs yeah mm. same
3: <laughs> <laughs> well not cancer but i gravitate <laughs> water signs yes <laughs> except cancer <laughs> but large moon sign
0: is in scorpio yes uh which means that her emotional self is intense passionate <laughs> and a bit dramatic She has trouble opening up and letting other people in and tries to keep her intense, darker emotions private. She finds it difficult to trust others, which means her powers of perception may manifest in suspicion and controlling tendencies.
2: Mm. I'm a little bit scared of Scorpio moons.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, definitely have like an intense dark side for sure. I don't mean that like an evil. I just mean like I think about things in like a very – I can get wrapped up in, like, this this dark, dramatic, like, narrative in my head for sure.
1: Which might also be why people don't really think you're an Aries until you get drunk and your inhibitions are lower than <laughs> of that, like, intense dark side comes out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 I think in- this shows up for me,
3: too, in, like, I will not, like, play the role of therapist, but I often will be someone that people confide in with their darker selves um Mm -hmm. because I think people can like I don't know I feel like it's something that they feel comfortable like knowing that I won't like retreat away from that sort of
2: stuff Mm -hmm. yeah your moon and sun are also like there's these um like there's signs where like the planet any planet will be like in rulership like that's their home or like that's like where they're exalted or that's like farthest from their home or farthest from their exaltation And sun in Aries is actually like exalted, and then the um, like Moon in Scorpio is in fall, Mm. and what that means is like Sun when it's in Aries, it can it feels like it can do whatever it wants, and then like Moon when it's like Moon's exalted in Taurus, so like when Moon's in Taurus, it's like oh I have all this like luxury, I can do whatever I want, but Moon in Scorpio is the opposite, so it's in fall. Yeah, and so I feel like, like, Sun and Aries, Moon and Scorpio people are really interesting. Like, you have this exalted Sun that's like, I want everything that I can be for myself. And this Moon is like, I have to be really careful. Like, it's like survival time. Totally. Yeah, both are ruled by Mars. Like, Mariah Carey has this combo. (laughs)
3: That is amazing. She is my go to for karaoke. So, like, (laughs) I get it. (laughs) Amazing. Well,
0: yeah. Also, I didn't realize this. Your rising sign is also Scorpio. Yes. <laughs> Look at you. Which means for your rising sign, that means that she comes across as passionate, incisive, cunning, strategic, and perceptive. Her intense and tenacious drive comes off as intimidating and powerful, if not malicious or aggressive. <laughs> but actually, actually, when I read that, it like felt a little bit misogynist to say like someone that's like passionate and intense. Mm-hmm. is like oh that automatically comes out as like being aggressive like those aren't the same thing mm-hmm. so totally.
3: yeah I, I always am surprised though because I've gotten the thing a couple of times where people will be like yeah when I first met you I was very intimidated by you and I'm always just like wait <laughs> what <laughs> like <laughs> I get that too but I don't think
0: I mean I don't think you're intimidating like you are intense but not in an intimidating way <laughs>
3: I think my intensity comes out usually in like emphatic love for people. (laughs) No, which isn't intimidating. It's nice. (laughs) Yes. Well, thanks for reading.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Feel very seen right now. It's funny because, like, Zoe and Laura's, like, um, ascendants are opposite of each other. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, all your houses would be opposite of each other, too. And that means, like, you can kind of, like, bring up what, like, each other's missing. And, yeah, it means that you could, um, like, you can be really similar and work pretty well together. That
3: makes sense. I was going to say, Laura, is it true? I think it's very true. I know. Amazing. Y'all ready for this?
1: Yes. It's time for Hopes. Reading. Here we go.
3: I'm ready. Read me. Hopes' sun is in Scorpio, meaning she has a fundamental urge to get to the bottom of things which can at times lead her to be manipulative or power hungry, but it comes down to an intense passion for authenticity, real intimacy and truth. <laughs> that's
1: from CoStar, which again can be very, very snarky. Um, but I think that's pretty right on. I like sometimes when I hear so manipulation comes up a lot for Scorpius mm-hmm. um, and I think that's another one where and I'm not trying to be defensive at all but of course if you're a powerful person yes um and you have a you you're like good at making things happen there's I don't know I have a hard time distinguishing between like what's actually like man- malicious manipulation versus just like trying to make shit happen if that makes sense
3: right and maybe taking the um the negative out of the term manipulation because sometimes it can be unconscious and sometimes like we're all manipulating each other all the time. Like that's what it means to engage with each other. So thinking about it in terms of like being a person who has like powers of persuasion with them Mm -hmm. or like is, is someone who is affecting to other people.
1: And what's the difference between being strategic and being manipulative, you know? Right. 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 Yeah, I think manipulation also
0: is a lot of times like kind of conflated with
1: deception, mm. yeah,
0: which are very different. I mean, they're they can be one and the same, but there are also differences. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So your moon is in Virgo. So, yeah, I'm gonna read like kind of the milk toast version of it, and then the
1: the not milk toast, <laughs> and then the co star version. Um. But so the library uh, is open. You go ahead and read me. Yes. <laughs> even yes gloves yes. can be off. <laughs> so lunar Virgos find security in the little things in life.
3: They feel most content when they've strained out all the details of everyday life. Many of them enjoy running errands, paying bills and balancing the books. Possibly good at I don't like the term nagging, but that is what this says. Possibly good at nagging or and complaining as long as they are appreciated they will help you take care of your life, too. They're at, at their best when they feel useful and needed. So that's like kind so, of the more like common
1: t- understanding
3: of it. Uh, and which
1: resonates with me, and I don't have a problem with nagging. I think there's like a way to channel that. Like I'm a, I am ai do project management as part of my job, and I think why mm-hmm. I'm good at it is I'm very good at like polite nagging.
3: Yes. Oh, very good. Um, so I would also say that, uh, this means that your emotional self is analytical, responsible and pacifying a bundle of nerves. You may struggle with a need to be pure that may come out in a self-sacrificing or nitpicky tendency.
1: <laughs> That's what Koznar <Co-Star> says. Wow. <laughs> That's a really weird one. I would say purity <laughs> is like very far down the list of things I strive for.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I
1: don't
3: know. <laughs> In pretty much
1: every plane. That's a really weird one. Or actually given my temperament and maybe some of my moon and rising information and um, my sun sign, maybe that like drive for purity. I think I just go so far the other way that I totally abandon any pretext of purity <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> because I'm just like, I can never reach that. I give up. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Yeah. Your your rising is in Gemini, um, which, again, this is the mask you present to the world. So this means that you come across as quick witted, chatty, eclectic and fun, though somewhat inconsistent in conversation. (laughs) In conversation, you seem probing and curious, which I can definitely say is true. Like you always ask (laughs) very specific questions about like, how are you feeling about this? Or like, you you know, you're one of those people (laughs) that like, if someone comes to you with something, you'll respond with like pointed questions that show not only that you're listening, but that you're genuinely curious in what we have to say.
1: That also is one of my jobs. So I do like chat support for people struggling with addiction Mm. and so I've like honed that even more so because all we do is ask open-ended questions and affirm. So it's really hard to not have that bleed over into my personal life. Totally. I just and that's probably why you're good at that too. <laughs> of being like, oh, interesting. When did you start feeling this way? Or, yeah. <laughs> um, also for this one in our episode document, I just wrote, don't at me in capital letters. because It's <laughs> like resonates the most with me.
3: <laughs> it's funny. So, um, this, the rising in Gemini, the reason why I could find it is because uh, I'm connected to Kellen on CoStar and her rising oh. is in Gemini. So that is how I could find this. So well, Kellen, and I, oh. Kellen and I both have uh, Libra moons. Amazing. All of us are connected.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, next time we have any kind of internal podcast drama or need mediation. We should have our guest back on and just use astrology to mediate our interpersonal conflicts. Yes. Yeah. Um so that
3: was fun and uh vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> um so I wanted to before we get into some of the detailed nitty-gritty on your specific focus within astrology and the stuff that you've written um, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit more about the popular myths surrounding astrology. Um, For example, a lot of astrologers have been pushing back on the idea and narrative that random planetary alignment is what affects people differently, which is what a pop, (laughs) which is (laughs) what a lot of people, particularly cis straight men, use as a way of calling out astrology. Um, but a lot of astrologers have been trying to explain it more as recognizing patterns and taking those patterns and interpreting them over large swaths of time. Am I understanding that correctly? I guess I'm essentially asking you to give us some of the basics on why this matters before we dive in.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, I think one of the most popular myths is like, The reading is not a read like um, it's it should be just like a discussion between you and the astrologer about your life. Like they're not just like, you know, reading you of um, who they think you are Um, in order to get like a lot out of it. You have to participate in it and you have to share your life experiences. Um, It should be a little bit like therapy, actually. Um, And Just this idea of um, astrology being scientifically inaccurate, I mean, it is. Um, Yeah, it's a part of culture, and it's a way of timekeeping and telling stories and um, kind of what we said before about, like, narrating or uh, witnessing your own experiences. So, um, yeah, it's, like, just – it's kind of between art and science and Mm – It's, um, yeah, definitely, like, when you study astrology, I feel like there's things that um, are, like, more present for calling out if you're going to call out something about it, like, well, the cultural appropriation, the um, orientalism, the gender essentialism. Um, I feel like saying, oh, well, this is, like, very scientifically inaccurate is like the least important thing mm-hmm. because yeah it's not science it's um literally art mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's all i have to say <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so i noticed on your website you kind of just touched upon this but it says you're working on slowly detangling astrology from colonialism and patriarchy um could you talk a little more about how those things have become intertwined and also what you what do you do in your practice to deliberately untangle
2: them yeah yeah and i've been um exploring like the history of astrology a lot and something about the astrology that's like very popular right now um western astrology is that it's mostly made by men with some kind of socio or um, political power so when we think of like well what does astrology do is like it tells a um It tells a story about ecology. It tells a story about um, time moving by. And it's been really used as a tool of propaganda Mm. by empires. Um, And, um, like, thinking about how astrology, um, this Western astrology, became, like, imported into the Americas... Like, that's kind of outrageous because it erased the indigenous astrology, was cre- which was created for this land specifically. Mm. And now what's happening is, like, the same astrology is being globalized um, to other parts of the world. And if you think about, like, just the archetypes that we associate with each season, Capricorn season being this cold and bleak sign, Um, that's not really true Mm. for major parts of the world. Um, Western astrology completely erases the global South. Um, it just, yeah, it's not, um, it's become this ecological response that, um, becomes like, you know, it's saying like some ecologies are more normal than other ones. So some, um, orientations are more normal than other ones. And that, I think, is Western supremacy. Um, And what's interesting is, like, um, it's, like, kind of a queer subculture. So as queers get into it, like, we kind of mock it. We never believe in anything completely. Mm. We're kind of, like, making fun of it ourselves, too. So I think of, like, well since we do live in a world where there is colonialism patriarchy what's the response to it because it doesn't seem like we're able to um like just ignore it and go back to what was there because that doesn't exist anymore so it seems to me like i'm really interested in how we can remix and react to it
3: yeah that's super interesting and i how how do people seek that information
2: Mm, Like, for me, um, I've been trying to find, like, information. But it's a little bit hard because the lenses that are really available are, well, these cis straight males who um, have careers in academia. Mm. Um, But, yeah, like... I don't know, like, for, I guess, Chinese astrology, I've been able to find it, like, in my family when I go back there a little bit. But I don't know, it could be information that is not accessible to everyone, doesn't have to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. mm mm-hmm.
1: Um, I have a selfishly motivated question and full disclosure that this applies to, I think, only me on this call, but hopefully lots of our (laughs) listeners do. But I was wondering why people seem to hate on Scorpios and Geminis so much.
2: Yeah, um, um, it's like a big thing. Um, I feel like that's how people bond sometimes is about mutual hatred of Scorpios and Geminis. Like, yeah. the Gemini thing, um, I kind of, like, I feel like that's new because Donald Trump is a Gemini and mm. so is Kanye West. I was going to um, say, yeah,
0: Con- Kanye is what turned me off.
2: Yeah, so is uh, Xi Jinping, the Chinese president. Mm-hmm. And then Scorpio?
0: So I it think? is a bad sign. Oh,
2: um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Like Scorpios, I feel like people are just a little bit afraid of and always have been because it's like, oh, the stereotype is like someone who's really sexual and manipulative and cunning. Um, but yeah, like we were talking before about how all these signs are just described by different cultures. Mm-hmm. Like Scorpio is just about social value. So it's like people who are interested in supporting your public library too. And mm-hmm. Like Gemini, Gemini is just about like curiosity. So it's like it's like there's a perfectionist side to um, Gemini too. It's ruled by Mercury, Mm -hmm. Um, and I also feel like more and more I've noticed the hates shifting towards Libra, um, (laughs) for some reason. Maybe it's usually about like people who've dated Libras or something. Yeah, yeah. I also think it
1: does expose a little bit about. In our culture, things that we haven't wrestled with or have a hard time with, like duality Mm -hmm. and complexity for Geminis, where like you could, it's hard. We don't like accepting that somebody might have dual parts of their nature.
2: We want Mm -hmm. things to be
1: very like black and white and clear. And then for Scorpios sexuality obviously is huge um, and passion and particularly it seems like a lot of hate is directed at Scorpio women Mm -hmm. more than Scorpio men so I do think it says something about issues in our culture
2: totally yeah wow yes
1: absolutely I
3: I also find like Scorpios have like this deep well like the emotional depth is like pretty massive and I think that that scares people or like is hard for people to really be comfortable with in this culture that is very like and in a lot of ways can be really superficial
2: mm-hmm. yeah there are two signs that really get along too like uh, for even That's- though they're in <laughs> conjunct and like I feel like the fear there is like, oh, what are what's the Scorpio and Gemini doing when they're hanging out? They're gonna gossip about everyone. <laughs> and like like I feel like that's kind of misogynist too, totally. because like gossip, mm-hmm. like that's like um yeah, it's just unregulated information spreading. Yes. That women have been using for a yes. long time. Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I that's recently
2: really
0: Yeah, I recently saw a tweet that was something about like um if a Sagittarius and a Taurus are in a room fighting like get out (laughs) and I was like yeah as someone with both of those signs honestly can confirm
1: (laughs) well thank you for somewhat affirming for me that I am not a terrible person
3: (laughs) (laughs) that was never in question (laughs) Um, so i was curious as to why you think a lot of people it seems like astrology has like in the last year or two seen this really big resurgence um obviously we know astrology has been part of different communities and cultures for a long time but i feel like in the last couple years in particular it's really become mainstream and so i was curious as to why you think that is
2: I think it's because of the internet. Um, and then I think there's also a lot of other complex reasons why, um, which is that queerness is becoming a lot more mainstream. Mm. And so there's all these like like corporations that use queer culture to brand itself. Yes. Um, and I feel like astrology can totally become complicit in that and is. Um, yeah like just what we were talking about earlier with astrology being globalized like I don't feel like something becoming more popular is necessarily a celebration I think it can be totally um, because people are engaging in it more and um, but a lot of it is also because the internet has a specific language and that's the internet using these, like, texts and, like, images to tell us who we are. And um, astrology somehow, just as this entire matrix, um, works with that very, very well. Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned this a little in the beginning,
0: but I saw in your book um, that there's a section on mapping out trauma uh, using astrology, of course. And I was wondering if you could maybe without giving away exactly what's in your book, explain how astrology can be used in treatment of trauma?
2: Yeah, like in the book, um, and this is just my own thoughts. um, This is why I believe, like, you don't have to believe in this. But I really believe that the reason why astrology kind of works is because it's um, like... Because it's a language that was created by these systems of colonialism and patriarchy that's created so much trauma. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that um, the only way meaning can be created is through trauma. Otherwise, it's just changed. There's no meaning that's being like repeatedly um, like reminded of, like resurfacing and being reproduced over and over again um so like by taking the language into your own hands and by trying to see like well what do I want to do with this meaning that the trauma that you know I've either gone through personally or inherited or anticipate will mean to me like I feel like that's the process of living so that's what um like doing the consultation but also just reading your own chart and Um, just working with astrology, like being an astro nerd, like means for me, it's about like healing, um, and not just like trauma as, um, like a end of like a pinpointed wound, but just as something that lives and creates meaning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just
3: curious what your favorite part is about being an astrologer.
2: Hmm. Like I really like talking with people. Mm. Um, yeah, and just like, like having a language to do that that's like a little bit um, yeah, so that we're not just falling back on like, like, for example, this thing happened. I need to cut this person out of my life. Like that's always the answer I feel like. But it's like, no, like let's explore something. It's just um it's like very rewarding for me to do that. And it also always teaches me more about astrology. Um, I also feel like it's, um, yeah, like some great collaborations have happened to me through this. Mm. Um, And it's something that, like, I'm an Aries. I just, like, I like working independently. Yes. And, yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
3: As we look to 2019, um, are there any big movements or things that you think, and this is like a complicated question, right? Cause like how can you possibly say something that, that makes sense for such a wide audience? But are there any like big movements or anything that we should generally be aware of?
2: Yeah, totally. Um, Saturn and Pluto are kind of meeting in the sky and that's kind of like an end to a cycle. And it's a really big cycle because those are slower moving planets Mm. and they're at 20 degrees Capricorn. So if you have like any planets at 20 degrees, like um, I think it's 22 degrees, actually the cardinal signs like Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn. um, Yeah, you might experience like some pretty big changes, especially like Pluto wants you to give up something while Saturn wants you to build At the same time, um, another thing is like Uranus is coming into Taurus, um, this next year. It was in Taurus a little bit this past summer, so anyone with like planets at early degrees of fixed signs, so that's Taurus, it's Scorpio, um, Aquarius, and Leo, um, yeah, like you're going to get this kind of like. Um, it might feel like a lot of energy, um, but definitely like, um, changes a little bit and a fixed sign that can be really hard because fixed signs like things to like, they like to maintain the same structure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just was also going to ask,
2: um,
0: in terms of movements, like merch, mercury and retrograde is like the big one that people know about that aren't mm-hmm. like super into astrology, why does Mercury have
2: such a large, like, why is that specific thing so popular? Yeah, well, Mercury has a back-and-forth motion. So Mercury retrogrades a bunch. Like, it's always retrograding. And, um, like, this next year, it'll retrograde three times. Um, it's, like, spring, summer, fall. Um, we'll get Mercury retrogrades. Um, so I feel like Mercury's kind of a planet's... Um, planet that's already defined by retrograding. Mm-hmm. And during that time, it's just about relearning something. It's like, oh, there's this thing I like believed, like opposite of Mercury's Jupiter. So I believe this. But now Mercury is making me rethink it. There's something that's happening, new information here. And it doesn't have to be scary, yeah, so it's just like because it's a big shift that kind of happens frequently. Yeah, I think it's the frequency. Because it's so mm. frequent, it might not even be, like, that big. It might not even affect everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and because it's, like, it's so frequent, um, like, maybe we just hear about it more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually,
0: yeah. Someone asked me about that recently, and I said, listen to the upcoming episode. So I felt like I had to ask it.
1: <laughs> 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 no, <it's funny>. <laughs> <laughs> In thinking about how we're all very interested in this, um, I was wondering if you think it's generally better for people to read their own charts or have someone else do it with them or for them. Because I always feel like when I do it for myself, there's such an element of bias. Like you read something and you you, like throw out all the negative traits, but embrace all the positive ones or
2: things like that. (laughs) Yeah, and there's danger in being like, oh, I'm gonna just ignore all the positive traits and focus on the negativity too. Yeah, True. Um, I think like it's like just a question of like, is it better for me to um try to see myself right now or is it a time when I need someone to kind of like give me feedback and give me a conversation? Mm-hmm. Um and I think both are necessary all the time. Like reading your own chart is just like it's self-work. And, like, having a reading done for you, um, like, you know, there's work that that person's doing for you. And I also want to say, like, it's really important to be careful about who you choose to let, like, you know, um, that you let do that for you. Because it is a big thing. It's, like, telling you who you are. And it's important to choose someone who's willing to listen to you as they do that. Like, if you're going to, like, this is not a real person. It's just, like, I guess an archetype I'm imagining. But maybe, like, a cis straight dude who doesn't listen and is very invested in, like, learned knowledge. Mm. Then, um, yeah, like, maybe it's not, like... Like, depending on what you're going through, maybe it's not the type of feedback that, like, is good for you. Um, But, yeah, like, I guess that's the kind of, um, yeah, give and take. So Mm -hmm. I think both are important.
3: Absolutely. Um, Do you have resources that you would suggest to people who are interested in learning more about their chart?
2: Mm, Yeah, like... I mean, I have a lot of books that I could recommend about astrology, um, like websites. I feel like it's just like the more the better because then you mm. can like learn all the contradictions and everything. Um, one of my favorite astrologers is Naomi James, mm. and I think like I really like Dane Rudar's whole like thing. Um, like all his books because he looks at it as a cycle. Yeah, I guess, is there like a specific topic that you would like?
3: <laughs> no, I just, I I didn't know mm-hmm. if there was like any go-to resources that you often recommend or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I guess like, I always just think that like more is better. Mm. Um, yeah. Great. And
3: I know that you also have your book um and so like you know we obviously want to support what you have going on and and the book that you've already written um do you want to tell us like a little bit about it and how people can find it
2: yeah um the book i wrote is like a workbook so i've been teaching this course called astrology and storytelling And in that course, it's about, like, stepping away from astrology as an ideology and just using it as a language to tell stories and, like, new mythologies. Mm. And the course is about how to use your own chart and to create a work of fiction um, that's about some of the, like, complexes and archetypes that are playing out in your life at the moment. And it's also just a skill set so that you can really, like, return to it and do it again at a different moment in your life about your chart. Um, because your chart's always changing, like your progressions, everything, but also your relationship, to it's changing. So the book takes the course and just, like, makes it into a book. Um, and there's some essays about astrology, about, like, how it is um. The Western matrix of control, it's colonialism and how by being astrologers, we can find ways of reacting to that language. Mm. And then it has like, you know, the like how to like part like the workbook part where like it gives you exercises and like some games you can play um to create these stories it's really like because it was a course it's really good when you do it in a group sense too when you all like are like we're gonna do like a chapter a week or maybe um so it's available on my website um you can just click on shop and it's there and if you do decide to do it in like a storytelling group or like a writing circle, um, like I can give you, like I'm offering a discount of $5 off each book, um, in order to just encourage that. Mm. Um, yeah. That's really nice. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: really cool. I saw on your website that you also do like, um, I don't know if corporate right word, but you'll go to like workplaces and do kind of like a group activity on like astrology and how that can help people, um, like, interact better at work? Is that something that you enjoy doing? Like, is that, (laughs) what are those sessions kind of like for you?
2: Yeah, that one in particular, it was, like, the planets and signs. So it was about creating characters using your planets and signs. Um, And just seeing what that looks like. And I changed it because it was artsy to a drawing workshop.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: um, I found it really interesting. Yeah, they were really receptive to the information. Um, Like some of them were really into astrology, some of them weren't. um, So I appreciated that. And then they all were really into participating for the drawing section of it, um, which was like, it was sort of more about like breaking away from what's considered good art and just using as a tool for... Um, healing.
0: Yeah, that's
2: great. Yeah,
0: when you go, like, if there's someone in a group that's not into astrology, or like, kind of does, won't buy into it, and is like, resistant, is there specific things that you like, say, or ways to,
2: like, open, like, help
0: people open up to it more?
2: Like, um, yeah, like, um, like, a really cynical person. Um, Well, I'm like, I'm a pretty cynical (laughs) person. Yeah. Like, I feel like I respond well with people who are just like, I don't believe in astrology. I'm like, well, I don't either. I'm an astrologer. Uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty willing to engage in that. Not everyone is or should be. But mm. I, I like that. Yeah.
3: That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge and and being with us to kind of like talk about these things, talk through these things. Um we'll definitely have a link to your website in the description and is there anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye?
2: Um nope, yeah, this was great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for giving me this um, this time yeah. and labor.
3: Thank yeah. you so much for joining
2: us. <laughs> Thank so much for being on. <laughs> it was <so> fun.
1: <laughs>
0: I'll also plug that Alice's website has really fun 2019 horoscopes that I've been reading. So I would plug that for you. Yeah. Yay. So
3: fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Season of the Bee. We're going to hopefully be on. new streaming apps soon so um, we'll be able to be found on spotify and some other stuff too so if you've been on an android and have have had a hard time finding us hopefully um, that will be remedied pretty soon um, you can always slide us some money on patreon and rate review subscribe on itunes and we got some merch on our website yeah. <laughs> Love you all. Thanks for doing this with us.
1: Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.